we are actively marketing that, getting that out on Amazon Prime Video. We're actually helping them, you know, get out their, you know, Rotten Tomatoes reviews, driving IMDb reviews. Currently has a 5.0 starting with 5.0 star with over 40 reviews on Amazon and we're helping drive that. Hi, and welcome to Best in Fest, and I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in learning more about uh, television and film and making content for TV and film and learning the dirty little secrets that Hollywood doesn't want you to know about. Uh, today, my guest is Alan Descranoli, and um, he is awesome because he is really changing this distribution platform with a company that he co-founded called Film Hub. He actually um, comes from a, a tech background. He is a Brazilian American uh, Warthol uh, graduate. Sorry, let me try that again. He is a Brazilian American uh, Wharton graduate. And I am pleased to have him on Best and Fest. Hey, Alan. Hey, Leslie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, okay. Distribution is not necessarily out there to help filmmakers, right? Standard distribution. And the standard distribution model, you know, right now the filmmakers sign over their rights. They usually have anywhere from 35 to 50 percent going to the distribution uh, company and or the distribution aggregator. But you came up with a different idea and you formed Film Hub. How did that come about for you? Yeah, totally. So it's you know, I, I can't take an idea, credit for the original idea. The original idea comes from my co-founder, Klaus, uh, who's a world-known composer. He wrote the music to Pirates and Gladiator and over 100 titles to his name. Um, it's just, you know, truly an amazing composer. And, you know, had the privilege of working on major studio productions and saw what was amazing films being made alongside the major studio productions that he was working on. And he was like, whoa, how come a lot of these films... Um, that are absolutely amazing aren't actually seeing distribution. And then when you look at the agreements that they sign, the 35, 50% plus expenses, plus deductions, um, you know, it becomes very hard as a, you know, as a producer to actually be profitable within that. Because unless your film's an outside success, you know, you ultimately don't make anything. And in the, the studio game, right, they're playing a game of hits, right? They're trying to make 10 films so that one hits. When you're an individual producer, you know, producing a film for one to five million dollars, ten million dollars, twenty million dollars sometimes, you may not only have one shot, right? And so you really gotta think through how that works. And so, you know, ultimately back in the day when shelf space was limited at a blockbuster, at a Hollywood video, at Walmart DVDs, that was a you know, you had to very much pick the right film that was actually gonna sell, right? In today's world, when you open a streaming channel, shelf space is unlimited. There's no need to have you know only five films on that streaming service you need depth you need breadth because guess what leslie's interests are different than alan's interests and you know consumers care about that and that's when you know kind of the, the ability for the model to change really you know came about and so you know what we've done is we've developed a simple distribution model where it's an 80 20 split in favor of the filmmaker 80 percent goes to them on the first dollar in on their film no expenses no deductions and we've built you know amazing scale and distribution by, guess what, utilizing technology and a technology-enabled sales team. You know, as a distributor, we are, you know, able to get into, you know, all the major platforms, 
And the reason we're able to do that is because of the fact they, you know, see us as a, a you know, curator of top content, as well as, um, you know, somebody that has technology and they make the, their lives faster. Well, it's, it's interesting that you touched on the money aspect and the studio aspect. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. And for those listening in, I can't give you the names of the film and I can't give you the name of the producer, but a producer makes a $20 million studio film. The studio makes a boatload of money, like $180 million. This film has been out for 15 years. The producer gets a letter from the studio saying, yeah, sorry, we still haven't made our money back. And it's going to be another five years before you see any of your money as a producer. So the producer contacts his attorneys. The, he says, I want to sue. I want to get my money. How can this be? And they said, well, you can sue, but it'll cost you $10 million. And we probably will only be able to settle for about $7 million. So you'll owe us $3 million. And and that seems to be kind of this model, this this ancient model that distributors are using. Now, you're right. If you make a film at a really low budget and you're able to sell it to a distribution company and they're able to generate enough sales, you will see, you know, some profit. But it's that ratio and that success rate. So how do you feel your model is really going to change that platform moving into the future? Do you think distribution companies are going to start adopting this model that you've created or you think there's space for both? There's definitely space for both, right? We work with producers and distributors and sales agents, right? Distributors and sales agents have realized the power of our distribution scale and are now having to use us because they can't go do deals with hundreds of streaming channels throughout the world. They just don't have the capacity at a time, the operational prowess to do that. They need a company like FilmPub. And that's, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, we service both groups, um, which is, you know, an interesting piece of that. Uh, so ultimately, you know, there are, there is room for both, um, you know, and one of the big things that we see is, you know, hey, one of the biggest benefits, you know, for, certain distributors in a film is like they're you know don't get me wrong there's certain distributors that are perfect fit for xyz film they're like they're known exactly for this like this is exactly it. i have no problems with that whatsoever right um as long as they are you know transparent with their filmmakers they get them paid um you know they're fair deals you know within the revenue shares and splits and things are well negotiated you know that's great um and so you know we work with both areas you know ultimately and there's definitely room for both um and you know it, it's it's very funny filmmakers will come to us and say like oh i should you know, utilize FilmHub for my next film. A lot of times I actually have their current film on FilmHub via their distributor. <laughs> um, and so that's, um, you know, so that's a, an interesting thing to know. Interesting, interesting. Well, you come from a tech background. So how how um, important or how are you utilizing, I should say, AI in your distribution model to help get those films out to those streaming networks? Yeah, so... You know, ultimately, like, what is technology very good at? Technology is very good at automating repeat repeatable processes and, and things, right? Guess what? The delivery of film assets and ingestion of them is very much a repetitive human task, ultimately, in some instances. So that's one of the things we've done very well, right? We have, you know, give you an idea, last month alone, we probably have over 10,000 titles that we have licensed to streaming channels throughout the world. 
And that's, you know, that's 10,000 deliveries in an automated, scalable fashion, right? There's no other distributor, post house, anywhere in the world that can custom transcode anything on the fly at that scale. And that's huge, right? And that's where the, the game changer comes from us is, you know, we have an amazing sales team that's selling films, but they can also be backed up by a, a technology platform that is able to, you know, deliver those films instantly. And that's, you know, where we can really change the game uh, within this. And that's one of the things that we're seeing, you know, is it's not only our ability to sell films, but also our ability to get them to the streaming channels very quickly. We're not going to a third party encoding house, delivery house, finding the assets that are, you know, sitting on a hard drive somewhere. We have everything ready to go. And that's, you know, that's one of the ways that we can work really fast. And that's something that technology is very good at. Right. And over time, right, as like, for instance, you know, we have a library of 18,000 titles, right? Like that's huge available. You know, it's actually, we're probably now from a distribution perspective, we're one of the largest libraries of titles in the world now available. Um, and I guarantee you we're probably the only title library that has 18,000 titles ready to deliver on a moment's notice. And within that, you know, we then have to, you know, for instance, we're, um, you know, take a, a Prime example, right? A, a partner of ours, Deku, right? They are a streaming service, SVOD service, geared solely at gay men, right? That is, you know, not LGBT, not just LGBT, you know, it's a very specific group of a population, right? And so we have to find what are the exact titles that solely focus around gay men in an instant for them to, to license. And that's one of the things that technology is also very good at, is very good at building, you know, ML AI based algorithms that does that. That's what technology is designed to do. So how easy then, I mean, from the aspect of I'm a streaming network and I'm looking for content, right, to purchase, to license, and with your uh, AI and your uh, technology, ease of technology, I can access certain titles, certain genres, certain whatever. So if if I'm in Japan, which is different than Costa Rica, which is different than Australia, how are you working those different deliverables to those different areas? Are, are you, is there a sign-up process that the streaming network goes through and then puts in their needs so that they can, so you can? Yeah, great question. So, you know, every single streaming channel that we go, that is a, you know, that is a streaming channel that we license to is a partner of ours, right? And we've gone through a vetting process. We've gone through, you know, contract negotiations with them. We have licenses, you know, we have like either pre-agreed upon rates that they pay on a revenue share, or we'll negotiate on a per title basis for an upfront license, depending on the different business models. Um, and within that, we also have their technical settings that they need. So whether they need certain caption files delivered, whether they have different aspect ratios for their films, whether they need um, certain artwork sizes, um, all of that is, you know, pre-coded into our system. And so when our sales team is saying XYZ streaming channel in Japan, you know, you want, you know, the top, you know, four anime films of the past year that we have, we say, cool, here you go. Here's what they are. Let's talk about them. Let's review them. And, and, you know, licensing can be as easy as one click or a quick, you know, a couple emails back and forth around ag agreeing on a price and we send it to them. Two seconds, done. So that's great from, from those that are acquiring your content. Now, how does it work when the filmmakers are going in? I know the 80-20 split, which is very favorable to the filmmakers. Um, but how do the filmmakers know that they're getting marketing from you, that that particular film is getting, you know, a certain amount of love that, um, you know, they don't disappear in 18,000 titles of, oh my God, I'm never going to get sold. Yeah. Great question. So 
you know, one of the biggest pieces that we do is we assign, uh, we assign an acquisitions manager to every single filmmaker. Um, and so that's the first piece is they actually have, you know, we're not, we're not just a, a Craigslist listing of films, right? Like we are actually pitching their titles. We are actually talking to them. You know, we have check-in calls with our filmmakers. We review things um, and, you know, we're available to help them. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the number one things that we focus on. Two, that acquisitions team also has a dashboard that they can provide to their filmmakers so that they, you know, every single filmmaker sees where their titles are listed, where they're going up, where they've been delivered to, um, and they see all that data. And then they also get the data from revenue and performance in that. So they'll, they'll see, you know, I made X dollars on Amazon Prime Video, X dollars on Apple TV, X dollars on Plex, and all of that's directly made available to them. And that's, you know, pretty much changes the game for filmmakers in terms of transparency. And as far as marketing, um, you know, we also, you know, we can help with marketing. We can, you know, you know, that's one thing that's out, it's outside of our 80-20 split, you know, because that's, uh, you know, it's, um, but if there are certain marketing help that they need, we're always willing to help and, and figure that out. Some filmmakers choose to do marketing directly themselves. Some of them like to push things through us. Um, we manage ad spend for filmmakers. We help with key art creation. Those are all, you know, services that as a, you know, distributor that we offer to them. So you're almost like acting like a digital marketing uh, uh, team for them, getting that uh, link, that link out once it's landed on a platform. Yeah. So, like for instance, right now, um, you know, we're you know we're actively focused on a title called Rickshaw Girl. I'll give it my plug. Um, it's a great title. Um, it was just released this past year. Um, you know, amazing title um, about a Bangladeshi girl who you know drives her, takes over her family's rickshaw. Um, as her as her father gets sick, and you know it's an amazing you know story of you know female empowerment, and really is just a, a great you know fun family drama that is I, I enjoyed very much. And you know we are actively marketing that, getting that out on Amazon Prime Video. We're actually helping them you know get out their you know Rotten Tomatoes reviews, driving IMDb reviews. Currently has a 5.0 starting with 5.0 star with over 40 reviews on Amazon, and we're helping drive that right. And those are things that you know we work you know with a PR firm. Um, and these are, you know, extra services that we always have available to our filmmakers as needed. And do you take those um, out as an upfront cost to the filmmaker or, or are you rolling that in um, to an expense? Depends on the film. Depends depends on the film. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, we, we get approval for those expenses, obviously, from our filmmakers if they want it to happen. Um, you know, sometimes it's upfront. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we can do it as recoupable on the back if, if it makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. What's interesting is you look at the standard distribution, you know, aggregators or distribution companies, and uh, they always roll in marketing expenses, right, as part of their percentage on top of what they're doing, and they don't necessarily always deliver the biggest bang for the buck, and unfortunately. You know, unless that filmmaker really has a substantial um, following on social media, it's hard for the filmmakers to go from zero to 60 um, on the freeway in the uh, high high speed lane uh, as fast as they need to once, you know, they get. So do you have packages that you also offer um, to filmmakers or have you not quite thought of that yet is it just individualized we have like we have some we have some basic packages kind of that we have like basic marketing help and assistance it really comes down to a lot you know a lot of times when you get into the marketing of the film it, it does need to be a little bit custom based upon what they're looking for 
what the strategy for the film is. And so a lot of times we have to get a bit more custom with those ultimately. Like, so for instance, this book, uh, this title is based on a book, right? And so it has a big library component, right? So we've spent a lot of time focused on marketing through our partners with Canopy and Hoopla of this title. Um, you know, so it really can depend on the title and where, where it's at its release cycle. Um, you know, but we always want to be there to help the filmmaker if they need the extra marketing support. But the main thing is we're not just blindly taking marketing expenses and deductions, right? We're discussing with the filmmaker saying like, Hey, you know what? We'll be very transparent. This might not work. Right. Um, but let's like, we, here's what we're going to do. And we're going to, and we're going to deliver and execute on the work. It might not. But guess what? It's worth a try. We think it. We think it's worth a try. We'd recommend you try it. But they always have, they can always say yes or no to something, right? That's the key. Is it's the difference here between the way that FilmHub operates and um, you know call it standard or traditional distribution is when you when you when you sign over your rights, they're you're you're putting you're putting all your eggs in into their hands, right? Where we're saying, hey, we're going to work with you as a partner here. And that's a big difference, um, you know, where they actually can approve and say yes or no to things. That's a big difference in, in how we operate. Right. Are you, um, are, once a filmmaker comes and brings their content to you, uh, let's say they still want to go through the festival circuit. Are you limiting that? Are you allowing that? Uh, let's say they might find a specialized uh, platform or OTT platform that you may not have, um, you know, under your banner or relationship with, are you allowing them to still post and uh, retrieve income off of that OTT platform? Great question. So uh, funny enough, one of the number one sources of new platforms for us is our filmmakers saying like, hey, such and such platform is interested in my title. Can you please handle the conversation? Um, that happens all the time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we always encourage that. And one of the other nice things is that because of the fact that we are, you know, not taking exclusive rights uh, on, behalf, on behalf of the filmmaker, if they do an individual deal outside of FilmHub, that's great. We want that to happen because guess what? That means that that platform is probably doing even more marketing for the film. It drives better brand awareness and it's going to drive viewership across all of these other services that we work with. We believe in being, you know, um, you know, added benefit. We don't believe that as competitive ultimately. Right, right. Well, it's interesting how you are approaching this um, because for a very long time, you know, the indies have always been um, taken advantage of uh, by the more standard uh, distribution models. And I'm not saying that's, you know, across the platforms, but there are, you know, distribution companies out there that are not, let's say, the most ethical. Um, are you finding that, especially since uh, COVID, that your business has picked up uh, with content, um, acquiring content, that you're you're now really blitzing more of that independent uh, target and getting more of that content worldwide? Because there's stuff that's amazing uh, being distributed worldwide, and yet some of the normal distribution platforms won't pick it up. Totally. So. The way that I look about COVID in the film industry is it accelerated the the you know move to streaming right from cable from broadcast um, you know from DVD sales you know um, you know it really accelerated all that effort and you know so guess what that means you know there's more homes for more films right like that's great that's really what we want to happen and so yes you know definitely our business is hugely picked up from that. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is stuff, this was all growth that was going to come kind of no matter what. Um, it's just a question of, you know, the industry is changing quicker 
um, due to COVID. And that's, you know, same across mo a lot of things in our lives, you know, got accelerated. Um, you know, the, ac the acceleration of remote work happened, right? Um, you know, this, these are all things that we're seeing. Uh, do you seeing uh, um, any particular countries that are really desiring this more? Are you, um, do you, are you reaching worldwide at this point? Or do you have some countries that maybe are more powerful in sales and content? We, I mean, we have titles licensed in 235 territories now throughout the world. Um, so, you know, uh, we are truly are a worldwide distribution company. We have filmmakers in over a hundred countries. Um, and, you know, and obviously, you know, us is generally leading the, the game in terms of, you know, revenue and monetization, but you know, that's the film industry, guess what is based here, right? Like that's, you know, kind of expected. Um, obviously, you know, we have burgeoning scenes in Nollywood and Bollywood, et cetera, all these areas that are you know, hugely growing and growing quickly that we are very active in. Um, but they're still, you know, slightly further behind, um, you know, I, I think in terms of monetization for, for some of those films. Do you see Film Hub uh, getting into the original programming, original funding of content uh, in the near future? Where do you see yourself going in the next five years? Yeah. Number one, number one question that everyone always asks me. Well, like, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask it right away. You know, I like, took my time and then asked you. How nice, how nice, Leslie. <laughs> I worked no, to it. Um, I, you know, so, conjoled you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see it necessarily as like, you know, there might be some pet projects at one point that we get into just off of passion and whatnot as a company. We're all filmmakers. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not specifically a filmmaker, but like we're made of a team of filmmakers. And so guess what? You know, there are always things that we're looking at. Uh, ultimately, you know, is originals ever going to be a big part of our business? No, it won't. Um, you know, that there's, uh, there's companies that are more designed for that. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that we always, always think about, but ultimately it's never going to be a big focus of ours. Like I, you know, we, production is something that, you know, I would rather be in the business of distributing, distributing films. Um, you can't scale production. Production doesn't scale. I'm here to build, I'm here to build a massive engine that, you know, helps filmmakers get their films out in the world that I can help them scale. We can't scale the process of production ultimately. Right. So what do you look for when you're, um, or what do your programmers uh, look for when the films are getting submitted up? Definitely. So in ultimately, like, you know, number one things always come down to production value. Um, you know, that's probably number one thing, right? Like, and, and that comes down to like a simple aspect of like filmmakers getting their deliverables together, right? It's like, can you get your deliverables clean and clear? And, you know, can you do that? Like that's number one piece. And um, you typically, guess what? The higher production value films are very, are much better about putting that together. So that's, you know, big things we look for. Obviously, you know, known cast, known actors always helps, but it doesn't mean it's not a requirement, right? There can be very unique stories and documentaries that are beautifully shot that are, you know, super exciting and are great. And, you know, so I, I never say let that be discouraged, but if you don't, if you aren't able to, you know, afford a known cast or a known actor, um, you really got to be unique about, you know, kind of your storytelling method, et cetera. You have to make up for it in production value, ultimately, is the way that I say, right? You can have a, guess what? You can, if you're smart and you're working with the right team, you can make a beautiful film for 50K that no one will know costs you 50K. And, you know, you may not be able to have, you know, Bill Gibson sitting in that film for that dollar amount, but guess what? The tools exist now. And so that is ultimately when I tell, when I say to filmmakers, if you have super small budgets, focus everything on figuring out how do you make it for 
the most production value possible. Like that is the number one piece that makes a difference. You can, if you make your film look like a million bucks and it costs you 50K, you've got, you've got to, you know, you're well on your way because guess what? Then when you're trying to get pitch the next actor on your next film, they see, oh shit, this person knows what they're doing. That's awesome. And so number one thing I always say, focus on production value, make sure you know, spend the extra time on your coloring, spend the extra extra money on getting sure you've got all the right boobs and, and on set, like do all of that work. You can, it doesn't take much money. Put your time and effort into that. And, uh, and then I'm assuming your next kind of point on your list of looking for is story acting and writing. Can you talk a little bit about what's, what's hot for you right now? What have you seen in trends? Oh, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> It's it's funny because, you know, one of the things, right, is like what's hot in trends, right, is ultimately like, you know, serialized content is super important right now. Like that's one of the biggest things that we're seeing, right? You know, uh, all the major AVOD, SVODs are like very much looking for serialized content that like, because getting, you know, and they're very fo much focused on watch times, right? They want to, they want to, you know, acquire that person and keep them, right? And so we're seeing, you know, our top serialized content doing very well ultimately within that. Um, that's one thing to note. Um, obviously, you know, huge, huge emerging segment of, you know, black cinema is, is just an amazing area that we're seeing lots of growth and revenue in. Um, documentaries are crushing it right now. Um, you know, a lot of things, you know, that are in the harder areas, right, are, you know, the, you know, the true like indie, indie, indie feel films are, you know, always a harder piece because you're selling a drama, a story, unless it's really compelling you know, to somebody are, are always hard, you know, of course, horror is doing well, per usual and normal, um, you know, all those things. And, you know, we do see obviously a lot of true crime is, you know, think you're seeing well. And so guess what, if you go to like, you know, if you're a filmmaker and figuring out what to make next, and you look and scroll through the top 20 films on Peacock, NBC, etc. And, you know, look at, you know, your top films on Netflix, on Hulu, if you look at the top, you know, 30, 40 films and you realize that there's some trends there, there's a reason why, go make similar films. <laughs> if you're focused on, if you're focused solely on a monetization perspective, you know, there's a reason why, you know, if you look at all the major streamers, right, you'll always notice that they have very similar, very similar genres, very similar film types to their competitors, right? And the reason is, is because they all know that there's a, there are segments that are very into that. Right. I mean, like, let's take uh, let's take dear old Dick Wolf. Right. And and FBI and, and law and order law and order series. Guess what? Like both Paramount and, and NBC realize that like, these are very big things and they have the almost the exact same shows on, on both both locations. Right. And they guess what? It's because they know that there is a huge audience between those groups. And so, uh, you know, just things to think about that are, you know, very much have, you know, followings. Um, within that. So it's interesting that you mentioned about the serialized content, because if you go to the traditional distribution, there's not a lot that will deal with uh, TV shows per se, but you're finding that you're able to solicit those uh, worldwide and that you're getting a lot of demand for that from the content. Uh... Definitely. Yeah. We're, we're seeing huge demand for that, like huge demand from our, our partners. Like they, they can't get enough, honestly. <laughs> Um, you know, the hard thing, right, is like serialized content is a blessing and a, is hard, is a blessing and a curse in terms of like a creative perspective, right? 
keeping the same storyline going across a six, seven episode series can be very difficult, right? From a creative perspective. And not every creative is great at it. You know, there's some creatives that are solely good at 60 to 70 minute films like that. And that's like their sweet spot and they're amazing at it. There's some that are very good only at shorts. There's some, but then there's some that are really can only tell a story over six, seven episodes. So it really depends. You know, you got to realize like, hey, where are the areas that I am really amazing at as a creative? And, you know, stick to that. You know, if you want to branch out and learn how to do it, you know, obviously there's ways to learn and figure it out. But, you know, realize, you know, where is your true strength and, uh, you know, make sure you follow that as well. Right. Um, I want you to touch upon uh, deliverables because, you know, deliverables for independence are always a confusing and mystical thing. Um, and they don't quite know um, what needs to be prepared during that post so that when you do get the yes, right, you do get the distribution yes, that you're ready to give them everything and it's all prepared. Can you kind of run down a general list of deliverables for people that are listening in on the podcast? Yeah, I will tell you first, everyone here that's uh, looking, listening here or looking on, uh, go to help.filmhub.com and look at our asset requirements. Because guess what? We're direct partners of Apple, Amazon, Tubi, Plex, Peacock, everyone that you want it would want to deliver to. And so guess what? We've done the work for you and listed everything out for you. So first off, take a look there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we make it pretty simple. Um, we, we, we have to scroll through every single specification guide. We have a team solely focused on, you know, distilling that into very, um, call it editor friendly terms. <laughs> um, and so, you know, take a look at that list, but you know, it, it starts, you know, very basic key art. Um, you know, the big difference between key art for streaming and online versus print right in print you have billing blocks you've got taglines everywhere you know in in streaming you want a very simple you know key art title name and that's it the actor names all of that taglines that's all part of the metadata don't put it on your poster <laughs> everyone guess what my team's going to come to you and say sorry you have to remove it <laughs> because it's a requirement from streaming channels um and so you know that's one thing and you know there's also a lot of different sizes one thing that a lot of filmmakers fail to do is they actually fail to take a lot of still photography while they're shooting their film. Hire a photographer for the day. Your DP is probably a good photographer as well. <laughs> Have them take real stills during, during the production. It makes a big difference. Yeah, you can pull stills later from the film, but it's not quite the same, honestly. Like, do real photography during, during set. Um, highly recommend that. Uh, you know, a couple other things, um, you know, obviously shoot the film in the highest quality potential that you have. Definitely shoot in 4K. If you want to shoot in 8K, go for it. You know, it's like uh, you can always, you can always, you know, down res and you can always, you know, pull things out. Up resing, as you know, leads to a lot of problems and people will catch you for doing that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so please do not do that. Um, well, and that's and that's really important because most of the or all of the streaming platforms want 4K or above. So a lot of the independent filmmakers don't quite realize in order to get distribution, you have to hit that 4K mark. Yeah, it's you know I wouldn't say like they're not all requiring 4K at this point. Like they obviously like you know to get pr premiere placement in some of these, like you do have to be in the 4K range. Um, you know, 1080 you can still get around it. 
Um, but we do highly recommend if you can shoot in 4K to do it at this point. Right, right. Um, and we've all got beautiful 60 inch TVs that now cost $200 sitting at home, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, thank you, Walmart. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Walmart at Target. Yes. Um, at Best Buy. So, um, you know, when you go to a distribu- uh, uh, the normal distribution route, um, what often happens is they will recut the trailer. They will redo the poster key art. Uh, are you also finding or offering those services if you f- see that it's just not quite up to that level? How's that work out for, yeah. Yeah, we have to do it a lot, honestly. I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, a uh, filmmaker will get, you know, Jenny's cousin twice removed to do it and ultimately just not there. And so, you know, we have a team of professionals on staff, um, you know, and we have varying levels, right? We have like, you know, we have, you know, different costs that we can u- utilize and different artists that, you know, some are super high end, right? That are, you know, doing studio work and we have, you know, folks that, you know, can get something done for a couple hundred bucks. Um, you know, it, it really, we have, you know, all kind of, you know, different capabilities there. And that's, you know, just something, hey, guess what? If you're going to invest in anything, invest in your key art. <laughs> like, that's the one thing I will also say. It's like, that is your best money spent because that thumbnail is going to decide if someone clicks on your film on a screen. And that's the most important thing. Right, exactly. Um, I'm assuming that that is an add-on to the uh, offerings when they when they come on, if you feel that they need to do that. Yep, totally. Yeah, and that's our role as a distributor, right? Our role as a distributor is to help, you know, coach you through that process and be a partner there as you, you know, go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, some uh, distributors are also um, into that DVD uh, market. Have you reached, have you even thought, or is that even part of your model um, generating DVDs for some countries or uh, outlets that may still want that? Yeah, great question. So we we have partners that we deliver to that uh, that handle our DVD DVD creation for us. So that's always something that we can help with. Um, you know, they're just another streaming channel for us, right? It's another outlet, another place that a filmmaker can make money. And so, yes, we we do do DVD theatrical distribution as well as needed. Okay, so you will do theatrical distribution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we have partners that help with that as well. Yeah. Ah, that's great. So if you feel that maybe there's a, a piece of content that might uh, really do well with that, that's an offering that, that you guys can fulfill. That's great. So where do you see you and your company in the next five years? Oh, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, ultimately it's a lot more of, you know, focusing on our filmmakers um, you know, doing, you know, doing more and more films, ultimately, you know, expanding our reach and really like, I think the biggest thing is like internationalizing the company, right? So like, yes, we are, you know, we have a lot of Spanish content, we have Portuguese content, French content, you know, I think we have about 30, 40 languages, but like, we want to deepen our, our libraries across every country, ultimately, and, you know, really be the worldwide connector because guess what, you know, the world is becoming more and more, um, you know, diverse by country, right? You know, um, you know, being French today means you just, you know, happen to speak French and live in France. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that that was your ethnicity from where your background is from, right? And so, uh, you know, that's a very important thing for us, right? You know, you've seen this as the evolution of different streaming services, you know, BritBox, right, is for Anglophiles, like, you know, there's uh, Anglophiles as well as people from Britain, they want to like watch their home content, that they're expanding everywhere. 
And we're seeing going to see more and more of that. And so that's one of the reasons we are very much focused on internationalization um, and, you know, and growing out worldwide. And then, you know, the other thing, obviously, is just, you know, guess what? You know, creating more and more opportunity for filmmakers. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we have deals in place with most of the major services that we need to. And, you know, that's an exciting thing. And, you know, we just want to keep those doors open for all of our filmmakers as, as it can give a chance of success here. Awesome. Uh, last question. What is uh, some advice you can give to young filmmakers, uh, novice filmmakers listening in or those that are not novice? Yeah. Uh, you know, so for the up and coming filmmaker, um, number one thing, keep your budget small <laughs> at your first couple goes. I can't stress to you enough how important it is to keep your budget small. Don't start splurging on things that you don't know if they're going to return good investment. Um, similar to like one of the comments earlier of like, keep your budget small and focus solely on production quality, right? Solely on production quality. Like, you know, that is the number one thing you can do. If your film at least looks like a million bucks, you know, hey, you've got a chance of getting someone to watch it. You may not, you know, you might realize, hey, snap, there's things I've messed up in my story and the way I've, I've told the story. But, you know, at least you've gotten people to watch and you've gotten that feedback as a first piece. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things. Two, um, you know, I would definitely say for, you know, kind of the more established filmmaker, um, you know, begin really thinking about once you kind of know how to make a film and you're doing it well, you know, really focus on understanding what is starting from your script. What is the methodology you're going to use to get this film out in the world? Right? Is this a script that you're trying to do a co-production with? Is this a, a script you're trying to, um, you know, complete and finance yourself? Is this one you're trying to sell? You know, you're trying to sell it directly to a, a major studio. You know, all of those things really change how you think about, you know, your how you approach making a film. And so, really think about that at first. the The issue that I see with, you know, most, you know, uh, you know, filmmakers is they they get a hold of a script and they're like, oh, cool, I want to make this, and they just make it with no idea of what they want to do. And they get stuck because like, sometimes they have no idea what they want to do. They spend $2 million making that film and guess what? They realize no one's really interested in it at the end and they're kind of in trouble. And, you know, so that's one of the biggest things is really have a focus on like what you're trying to do um, and how you're going to distribute it uh, and really make sure you understand that. Perfect. And hopefully it's through film. <laughs> <laughs> per perfect. Perfect. Um, call out your website for those that uh, may be driving when they're listening to this podcast. Very, very simple, very simple filmhub.com. Um, very simple. Excellent. I want to thank you very much for coming on Best in Fest. We've been listening to Alan DeCrinoli and he is from Film Hub. For those listening in, uh, you can see the video component on the La Femme Film Festival YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to uh, rank us, like us, and pass us on to all your friends. Thank you, Alan, so much for joining me on Best in Fest.